The 630 Chad Afternoon News. Brought to you by California Closets. For the love of home. All righty, it's 3.06 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Uh, you know, we, we talk about it uh, a lot. Certainly when Andrew is here, we try to talk him out eating pizza four times a week and, you know, uh, offsetting or slowing down the aging process, getting healthy or being healthy as we as we get older. Looking for that fountain of youth has been a lifelong pursuit for many of us, and unfortunately it does not exist magic pill just want a magic pill come on but there are things you can do to slow down the process and joining us today in studio for the first time thrilled to have an old friend here with us jeff woods who is um owner at custom fit personal training jeff thanks for joining us thank you Jillian. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hold on a second. Your mic. There you go. Thank you, Julian. There. <laughs> there we are. Uh, Bob Murray's still with us today, and I wanted Bob to stick around as well. I mean, Bob trains, you train. Um, I walk in here, and, and I, I said to Jeff, I'm 20, 20 pounds heavier than my heaviest was at one point. And it seems as you're, as you're getting older, it certainly does seem to be a little bit more difficult. Where do we start where do we start when we're when we're getting older and trying to get back into shape? Well, here is a great place to start. First, there's there's lifestyle errors that that many of us make, um, and some conscious. But uh, and and the first one being um, smoking, perhaps, mm-hmm. or maybe alcohol consumption. So if you're a smoker, and I know how addictive that is, and I will confide in you, I I smoked for a little bit mm-hmm. in my youth, so I know how hard it is to quit. But if you smoke, it almost negates every other health benefit from exercise and eating well. And heart disease, obviously, the d- disease factor is so much higher if you're a smoker. Lung function, poor. So if you can quit, that's a step in the right direction. The second thing, alcohol consumption. We all enjoy maybe a glass Boo. of wine. Boo. <laughs> but the thing there, again, like wine can be a part of a healthy diet. You know, if you're ha- a serving perhaps a day, having two, three, or four glasses a day, obviously it's a detriment. So you don't want to go that way. Jeff, what does alcohol do to the body when you're trying to lose weight? I mean, you know, people talk about sugars. They talk about metabolism and how your body mm-hmm. processes it. What does it do there? Well, Again, an excessive amount of alcohol can can be an inhibiting factor in terms of how we process nutrient from a balanced diet. So we could be selling ourselves short with higher amounts of alcohol in terms of the nutrient density that we might potentially receive from a good diet. So that would be foremost. Again, if you start to fill up on a large number of calories with alcohol, you know, you become <laughs> maybe a little inhibited. You might start making poor choices and not eat well. All of a sudden, the bag of potato chips sounds really, really good, right? I gotta tell you, this idea of it might make bad choices. <laughs> I don't know. I think alcohol, That's a and, guarantee. alcohol and bad choices, I think that was uh, the motto of my 20s, to be honest with you. Jeff. It extends well beyond food. <laughs> <laughs> so, one other thing, then, just as in, in regard to the opening aspect here, the other thing, a lifestyle error, is sleep. And there's mm. more and more research being done on how important this is for cognitive function and just for, for physical function. And Bob and I were talking earlier that if you're not getting good sleep, it's so much harder to get to the gym and sort of be exercising with any intensity at all. Intensity at all. The other thing that if you're getting six hours of sleep or less for 21 days or more, you have the cognitive function of somebody who's legally impaired. Mm. That's how bad it is. So again, as an adult in our age category, you know, you want to be getting seven to nine hours sleep. 
So seven to nine hours sleep. But, Jeff, mm-hmm. it seems as we're getting older, it's harder to sleep. I, I was I was telling you earlier, last night went to bed 9, 30, 10. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this is great. Going to get up, going to train this morning. Woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning. Could not get back to sleep. Uh, I think it was probably 4 or 5. I'm exhausted when my alarm goes off at 7 o'clock to go down to the gym. And I changed my mind and reset my alarm for 8.30 and came to work, you know. Um, why is it that the sleep patterns change? Do you know? or What's well, going on there? Here, there's, there's a number of things that might influence poor sleep. A, are you stressed? Are you worried? Do you have financial issues? Are all your ducks in a row? Do you have mounting stress at work? Mm -hmm. So being organized could contribute to that. Um, Sometimes even over-exercising, too much stimulation that way can have a negative effect on your sleep pattern. Maybe you've got a sick child Mm -hmm. or some other measure in in the house that, you know, needs your attention and it sacrifices your ability to sleep. So those are all caffeine. Yeah. A poor diet, a highly processed diet can can affect uh, how you sleep and and, uh, you might feel a little speedy, you know, if you're (laughs) eating things that are are just not good for you. So all of those things can contribute. Do you believe that whole thing about... um Cell phones and being on computers and that before bed. Yeah, there there is certainly some scientific evidence that speaks to that, and uh, it it's the blue light that seems to have an effect. And you know they suggest now that two hours prior to going to bed that you should be rid of all that blue light, TVs off, your your cell phone and tablets, all of that. Like, get rid of it at least two hours before you go to sleep. Hmm. And it may have some positive bearing on is Is sleep with a sleep aid better than no sleep? Put it this way, just based on what I was saying about the (laughs) cognitive function for 21 days and being legally impaired or carrying on in that manner... uh, if you're like awake for three or four days and getting poor patterns, yeah. there might be some value in seeing your doctor to have something prescribed so okay. you can get some good sleep. Um, training. You talked about um, training and sometimes being overstimulated. You know, <laughs> maybe if you try train before you go to bed or whatever it is. I know, Bob, you train first thing in the morning, right? Early, yeah, I'm out of bed at like 3.45 in the morning. So, <laughs> so and I'm, first I'm, thing. Yeah, like for, but I, I'll tell you, even then, I mean, I if I'm up, if, some, if I wake up at one o'clock in the morning or something like that, I usually will just get up go right because there's no point in trying to go back to sleep at least i know that i've done it because the day doesn't happen without it however if i travel or whatever else and i train later in the day it's always the worst workouts you feel awful your mind is different and then the sleep that night just becomes completely awful so jeff is there a a prime time to work out or does it depend on the person well it does depend on the person uh certainly uh, but there is some research on it and i happen to have that information (laughs) um so here's the thing so for people that work out in the morning typically they are more consistent than people that try to work out later in the day there is some evidence that suggests people who work out in the morning though because they've been sleeping all night their core temperatures are a little bit lower they are ever so slightly more prone to injury (laughs) than those individuals who (laughs) work out in in the afternoon so the afternoon individual they tend to work out with a little bit more intensity just because they've been awake, their body temperatures are up, and they're just a little bit uh, sharper from a cognitive perspective. I think this is an age-old question as well when it comes to those who train in the morning. Do you eat before training?
training? Do you eat after training? Is it best to, to work out on an empty stomach and burn those calories that aren't in there? Or what is it? Well, it's interesting, and it's funny because over the years, obviously, in bodybuilding communities, there's been a lot of information sort of uh, that's come forward about eating just before and just right after. You know, for recovery reasons, the science now sort of dictates that, you know, eating 30 minutes after a workout for good exercise recovery, the window's probably closer to two hours. The research now, it, it's just, it's a lot broader timeline than what you think. Beyond that, I think, you know, a lot of it is very individual. It's important just to have a consistent pattern, like caloric intake mm-hmm. relative to need, and stay stay true to that pattern. So. I know some people that are metabolically very efficient, high-functioning athletes. They can eat 1,000 calories 30 minutes before yeah. they go into workout. And I know others that are a little bit slower that if they ate 1,000 calories, they'd be puking it up on the, the gym floor. <laughs> so, you know, there's a little bit of individual uh, variance as it relates to how you eat. Jeff Woods, the owner and a personal trainer, really custom-fit personal training, which has been um, a, a staple in Edmonton for a very, very long time, joining us in studio this afternoon, Bob Merton. Bob Murray joining me uh, here this afternoon as well. So metabolism, um, I yeah, I get going and I, I I have all these questions in front of me and then I start kind of, kind of going all over the place. When you talk about you know, metabolism as we get older, we know it slows down. Does that happen in men and women? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing with uh, with metabolism, as we age, uh, our lifestyles particularly become a little bit more sedentary, and as a result not as task-oriented, so we start to lose a little bit of lean muscle tissue. So with that loss of muscle tissue, we're not as metabolically uh, efficient, so Mm -hmm. we don't burn calories at rest efficiently. So, I mean, there's certainly value in doing some load-bearing or weight-bearing activities that will help to sustain good bone density, but also sustain good lean muscle mass getting older. I think a lot of people tend to get to be afraid of maybe uh, throwing around some heavy weight, right, to actually doing that to say, oh no, I'm going to get on that elliptical are yeah. going to do the treadmill instead for an hour instead of maybe going over and doing some bench presses or some mm-hmm. rows, which I think uh, it might be, depending on the person, could be more beneficial. It, it, without question, it's more okay. beneficial. And here's something interesting, too. You just touched on something that I think is kind of cool. You know, many, many females are scared to progress into lifting heavy weight loads for fear that they're going to get big and bulky. Not going to happen. Not going to happen at all, ladies. And don't be fearful of it. And it's interesting, uh, some science that I looked at sort of studied um, um, many females who had done aggressive weight training, heavy loads, doing deadlifts, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, power cleans, bench presses, big heavy rows, things like that. And it's interesting, they, they all thought through the study that they were getting big and bulky, but after they did measurements at the end of their 12 week training period, they were all smaller, like in every single circumference, mm-hmm. through their waist, their chest, their hips, everything. But the fact that they were leaner and stronger, when they look in the mirror and they could see more muscular definition, their perception was, I'm bigger and mm-hmm. bulkier. But in theory, they had gone the right way. They had done the right thing. They had changed their body composition. But their perception was they were bigger. But they weren't. Not even close. Curious to know what you think. I, my husband and I have gotten hooked on these shows as my 600-pound life and skin tight and all of that. And and what do you think the impact is of, of shows like that on people's reality when it comes to weight loss? Well, I think for me... 
when I look at something like that, I think, you know, even if I'm having a bad day, all of a sudden, you know what? I'm on top of the world. Mm -hmm. so, you know, yeah. I, I think it paints a pretty bleak picture and it, it shows sometimes just how desperate some people are. The biggest thing I see in a lot of these programs is that it's, it's a poor dietary habit that typically started very young, yeah. very early in life. And uh, they have like followed those habits and it's it's affected their their weight and they don't exercise and sometimes you know if you have parents that maybe don't have a great knowledge or understanding of how to eat well and how to pursue an active lifestyle i mean you fall into the same patterns and end up overweight i want to talk about diet i think obviously i mean you can exercise all you want but food and the, the food that you put into your body is so incredibly important on this on this process so we'll take a break here we'll come back bob murray jeff woods joining me in studio from custom fit um if you have a, a question for jeff you want uh answered text me 6 30 6 30 we'll get to them as well you're listening to the 6 30 chad afternoon news with jaylen nye and andrew gross on 6 30 chad edmonton's breaking news and conversation station it is 3 22 on the 6 30 chad afternoon news bob murray joining me in studio for a couple of hours jeff wood from custom fit uh personal training here with us today first time on the show and uh, i'm so happy to have him here and i hope he you might come back again in the future we talked about uh, diet food how how do we eat how should we be eating is the 80, 20, clean, cheat thing. What is the best way? Well, I, I have an opinion on that, Jaylin, and <laughs> here it is. Um, so interesting with eating, like all the exercise in the world will, I mean, if you're eating poorly, mm -hmm. you will not out-exercise a bad diet. So your exercise plan starts in the kitchen. And I, I would just say there's so many fad diets out there, and it, it becomes confusing for a lot of people. So I would say this, look at how you eat and the things that you ingest as a hierarchy, think, giving vegetables number one status. So eat a high volume of vegetables and to get the nutrient density that you need, think about color, a broad spectrum, of, a rainbow of color, and then you'll most likely be getting as much nutrient as you mm -hmm. need. Then your proteins, look at quality proteins, but look at your proteins not just from animal sources, look at them from nuts and seeds. Um, and, and also understand that there's protein content in, in vegetables as well. So that will help to sort of make up your daily intake of, uh, of protein. So it doesn't have to be just through um, meat, for example. And then you can eat a little dairy as well. And then make sure that a little fruit included in that and stay away from highly processed food. If you can cut that out, you'll be so many strides ahead. What's the best way to figure out how many calories you should be eating? If you're trying to lose weight, I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to I need to not eat at all. And you're doing more damage than good there. You you most certainly are. And here's the thing. And, and the terms I'm about to give you are just very general. For the average female who's moderately active, between 1,400 to 1,800 calories a day is about right. Now, if you're a highly active elite level female athlete, you're going to need more than 1,800. Mm -hmm. For a man, somewhere between 1,800 to 2200 now if you're lifting like bob lifts and he's intense mm -hmm. in the gym he needs a lot more calories like some weight training athletes like bob might need between three and four thousand yeah. calories a day for the average ne person needed or not it happens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you should you should know that what that 
number is, how many calories you need. And then if you want to lose weight, you have to be at a daily deficit. Mm -hmm. You have to be a couple of hundred calories under. If you want to maintain your weight and your number is 1,800 calories, you have to be right on that. So I hope that helps a little bit. All righty. There's a couple of texts coming in. We don't have a whole lot of time left, but a couple of texts uh, coming in. Um, how about this one? Question for Jeff. Any way to eliminate cellulite through exercise or diet once the cellulite already sets in? Well, unfortunately, uh, we've had a couple of uh, surgeons um, and dermatologists that, that work out at the studio, and we've had this debate, and the short answer is no, mm. unfortunately. Okay, so no, so you just have to deal with it, and, yeah. and hopefully... Mm. Now, there's, there's creams and stuff. Well, and they go on about the creams having some effect on this, but uh, it, not. not really. Okay. The best thing you could do for yourself, obviously, is if you're weight training and you're making the muscular systems tight and developing more lean muscle mass it's certainly going to have a, a greater effect long-term than, than anything else. All right, another question for you. Um, I'm 50 years old, work out about two to three times a week. I'm trying to add walking into the routine. Is there really any benefit to walking? There is, and here's the thing. So if you're a sedentary individual and you walk even 20 minutes a day, you are reducing your risk of chronic disease by about 10%. That's exceptional. Yeah. And so it's going to put less stress on the healthcare system and certainly improve your chances of a long, fruitful, healthy life. And it's a great place to start if you're just trying to get back into doing something. Walking is better because I think some people will go straight into running and oftentimes you'll end up with an injury. Well, here's the thing, Jalen. You're absolutely right. 50% of all runners have some sort of related injury. Only 1% of walkers end up with a related injury. Um, someone, well, final question. As someone who is slightly overweight, where in the gym is the best place to start? Should I be running? Should I be biking? In summertime, my wife and I really enjoy biking, but we have no winter regiment. Okay, here's the thing. So for that individual, be strong first. An entry-level strength training program Get strong so that your body can tolerate the stress of walking, tolerate the stress of running. If you're strong first, it doesn't matter which direction you go in. And typically, people start the other way around, mm -hmm. and they end up hurt. And then they're constantly in a state of rehabilitation. So get strong first. Weight training is the place to start. Okay. Before we uh, wrap things up, Jeff, any final tips, things that you would say right now after our first session together here on the 630 Chet Afternoon News that people should remember to take away with this afternoon? I think, you know, what we talked about in the opening, start with getting some good sleep, get your ducks in a row, uh, in a row, reduce the stress that you might have in your life, and then take a good hard look at how you eat mm. and take some of those little things that we talked about in terms of giving the vegetables sort of the hierarchy and just eat cleaner, stay away from processed foods because that's, even if you don't exercise and you eat well, you'll have a great chance of improving your body composition just by eating a, a solid diet. Jeff, and uh, the website for your spot? www.custompit.com Customfit.ca. Can we do this again sometime? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Absolutely. Jeff Woods joining me in studio this afternoon. This afternoon. Uh, we'll take a break for the 3.30 News. Be back with more right after this. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Brought to you by California Closets. For the love of home. It is the Thursday edition of the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Some of you texting in wondering, hey, Jay, have you given away the James Taylor tickets yet? No, we haven't. We're going to do that uh, right around 4.48, 4.50. I have a montage, a music montage that I've put together. You're going to have to identify the songs. There's five of them oh, in there. Five, five of them. Five songs. Well, if you're a James Taylor fan... Well, that's the only condition under which that would be acceptable. <laughs> I mean... 
And I picked some of the easy, that's enough as I'm going to say right now, but uh, there you go. So we'll do that around uh, 4.50. The concert... June 7th at Rexall. Bob Murray joining me in studio this afternoon. You know him as the uh, VP of Research, the Frontier Centre for Public Policy. But as you also know, he comes in and joins me uh, on a fairly regular basis when yeah. Andrew is away. Comes in to bug you. Yeah, which is okay. Pretty well what I do. Next topic up. <laughs> I wanted to um, throw this one out here because I think a lot of Chedville can understand. So many of you listening have work emails many email accounts that are accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And a lot of you, I suspect, find it really difficult to leave work at work, and so you end up checking your work emails during off hours. Well, get this, France, home of the 35-hour work week, is set to give all workers, quote, the right to disconnect from work emails uh, because many of the employees are burning out. Do you think that would be possible in Canada to give employees the right to disconnect? Now, you know, France is famous for its 35-hour work week, but what has happened there because of the apparently the the uh, the employment situation that many people are just going home and working nonstop from home. Uh so they're going home and they're working from 7 till midnight. They're not unplugging. And I would love this. I would love this in Canada, though I suspect that for many businesses it would just be simply impossible. I don't have personally, I don't have my work email linked to my personal phone. I know Andrew does. So if I have to work, link, uh, want to look at work email, I have to go to a computer, log into everything and, and do it. I don't automatically have those emails pop up. Thank goodness. Wow. Conscious decision. Did not want that. Smart. I am on that machine enough as it is. Bob Murray, why do I suspect it's completely different for you? Because <laughs> you know me well enough. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, yeah, a few email accounts that come through. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't. Well, I, I also think it depends, first of all, on the industry that you're working in, the uh, level at which you're working. Uh, so for myself at the vice president level, I have a staff working under me. Uh, and as I said, it, and, and depending on what you do, like what I find in my experience is exactly the opposite, I assume, than yours. Now, I finally did get into habit of turning my ringer off when I go to sleep. I used to leave it on um, until emails would come in constantly overnight, particularly if I'm working on uh, a book project or something, because not everybody lives in the same time mm -hmm. zone. So it was honestly, you know, I, I was uh, working on a book a couple of years ago, and a lot of the writers were over in uh, Eastern Europe and then throughout the rest of Europe. And you could pretty well track through the dinging on the phone when people were waking <laughs> up across the world, sitting there. And all, by the time you check your phone, you've got like 100 emails from people that have woken up elsewhere. And you say, wow, this is going to be an awful morning. So are you saying that you could not do that? No, not only personally, I probably... Or you don't want to do it. Oh, I would love to do it. On some level, I really, really would. But by virtue of my role and the type of industry that I'm in, I can't. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call you on that because I think that you could probably go home, turn it off at seven o'clock at night, and all hell 
is not going to break loose by 3.45 or 4 o'clock in the morning when you wake up. I'm going to tell you that if my staff is listening right now, they are <laughs> having a heart attack at the thought of it. Because it's it's not just, it's everything that goes into the daily function of the type of industry that you But the that daily function in. isn't the daily function, let's say, from 6 in the morning until 6 at night. No. No, it's especially with researchers. You know, most of my staff are researchers, and researchers have their own schedules and their own priorities. It's like herding cats. That's my job, is herding cats and getting researchers who will write at 2 o'clock in the morning because that's something strikes them, whatever else. And if you have to provide feedback, they want it right away. And you also have to triage. But you also have to triage. If there's, you know, business issues or one thing, research issues might be a totally different thing. Uh, but the other thing that I think I've done very stupidly <laughs> is, you know, a lot of work people have the phone number. So you get texts. People don't email. They text. BBM. I'm still a BlackBerry guy, very proudly, so BBM is going off all the time. But also things like Facebook and Twitter become work-related. And so all of these mediums that come through my phone often have some kind of work-related content to them. And i got to tell you, it is really not wise of me to have done this. Well, but here's the thing. You're not... Um... With all due respect, Bob, and you're my friend. <laughs> this will be. This is going to go well. You're you're not saving lives. You're you're not. Have um, you read my work? Yeah. Of course, it saves lives. <laughs> it you, inspires. You're not saving lives. You're not. You're. I, I'm wondering though, for most people, whether it is simply they just don't want to because they feel disconnected. So you don't want to instead of rather, you know that. You, you couldn't. I think most of us probably could. Most of us. There are certain jobs, yeah, I guess, uh, get that you'd have to be connected all the time. I totally understand that. But unless it's emergency, couldn't it wait till the next day? I think it depends on what it is. A lot of it, yes, it could. But we've also conditioned ourselves, I think quite wrongly, to expect. It's amazing how people expect if they send you an email. If you haven't replied in an hour, mm -hmm. they'll send another one and say, is something wrong? Yeah. It's like, yeah, what is wrong as you think you're that important? <laughs> like, that's what's wrong. But the other thing I think we've done with these phones, which I think is just so awful, is it's no longer a phone. It's at the center of our lives. Mm -hmm. And everything comes into these hubs. So even on a weekend, if you happen to be checking Facebook or even texting to make plans to go somewhere, something comes through and it's work-related, it's there. You see it. And it's amazing the impact that has. I mean, I've got into the habit where it's I... It's in the back of your head. I need to, I need oh, to address absolutely. this and or, to yeah, work on. Oh, yeah, on Monday. Even if yeah. it's Friday, you know, on Monday you have to deal with it. And I think, you know, in my case, I started getting a little bit better where I would turn the ringer off, say, around 6 or 7 to make sure that things were wrapped up and give myself a little bit of time before I went to bed and tried to sleep. Uh, but I started getting into this habit, and I still do it. I admittedly still do it, where just before I roll over, I'll sometimes take a, one more look at the phone to see if anything. And then once in a while, something has come through, and it's like, up out of bed, right? Back down to my home office and doing whatever has got to be done. Or it's just there, there on the brain. Because I also have a brain that does not yeah, it stop. It doesn't stop, right? Um, so in France... They're looking at, France is set to give all workers, quote, the right to disconnect from work emails as a scale of burnout among employees draws a government concern. And I'm guessing this this right is because some people are afraid they're, they're going to lose their job or the possibility that it could happen. So giving you the right to do that. Could it be possible? Could it be done in Canada? And, and would you like it? Personally, I would like it. I would like to throw out my phone when I'm off the air here at 6 o'clock and not pick it up until 6 o'clock in the morning, I will admit that this thing has become 
just awful for me, especially for some reason in the last month or so. It's been, I've been on it nonstop uh, in the evening and it's driving me mad, let alone my husband. And I, I, I worry about it. I, I worry about it. So last night I came home, turned it off, set it aside, put it in a different room and that's fine. And I found myself on commercial breaks. We're watching, I don't know, whatever it was, looking for to say, oh, okay, well, this is what I would usually pass my time with during commercial breaks. And that has to stop. Like when you talk, when they, I think the, the, the true fact is, is that it is an addiction. Yes, absolutely it is. Absolutely. And, I mean, and, and, but I think it goes back to the heart of what these people in France are worried about. Is I mean, imagine the idea that you might get fired for not replying to an email well, at 10 it. o'clock at night, right? Yeah. I mean, my work habits are my own. My mm-hmm. staff, unless it's an absolute emergency, I would never hold my staff to that standard. Now, I am very lucky to have an executive assistant who works harder than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, I work bizarre hours. If I'm up at 3.45 or 4 o'clock in the morning and I send her a message around 6 or 7 because I'm ready to start, most of the time I'm getting a response. Yeah. And that's a very special type of person, but that's not an expectation, right? The problem is that now that she's done it a number of times, I know that she's there. <laughs> she's ignoring me. Yeah, 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 don't you ignore me. I know you're there. I'm curious, Chadville, how you deal with this. Do you get work emails at home all the time? Do you turn it off? How are you dealing with that part of your work life when it really should be your personal time. You can text us at 630-630. The phone number here is always 496-0063-346. We'll take a break. Get to your uh, to your comments right after this. Your thoughts this afternoon on disconnecting after work from your, your cellular device, whatever it is that you're using. Uh, France is trying to give all workers, quote, the right to disconnect from work emails when they get home. So you're not going to get in trouble if you don't respond to a work email because they're saying that too many employees are getting burnt out. Bob Murray joining me in studio this afternoon. And he's saying, you know, the first one to admit he has his work email going all the time. It is an unhealthy relationship. It is. Yes. Okay. Some of your texts coming in. When I get home, I change my phone to ring only so that if something important comes across, uh, work people know they have to call me rather than send me an email or a text message. This way I can focus on my family when their time is most important to me. And listen to this one. My work has told us, all of us managers, we have to be available 24 hours even if we are off. That's ridiculous. And I'm thinking... Good luck enforcing that. Well, you know, but Unless it's... it's part it, of the contract. Like, if you sign a con, First of all... Just there be so many issues that go into that. Like, what does the contract say about your work hours? Is there a provision in there about the fact that you have to be available so-called after hours? Are you compensated for the time that so-called after hours? And that's the big one for me. Are you being compensated? Are you being confiscated? (laughs) Are you being compensated? Like, I remember when my mom worked at the hospital and being on call, that was a part of the job. But it was a a shift. You know, you were on call for four days and then, you know, not all the time. Brad is on the phone this afternoon. Hey, Brad. Hi, how are you guys doing today? Good. So what do you think about work email? Well, the one thing I have to say, I've been a, a business owner here now for quite a number of years, and uh, I own a construction business in, in the city here. Um, things have changed to the point where back when it started out, um, when you made a phone call, the people on the other line would usually pick up the phone and you would have a conversation and get whatever you needed out of the way um, rather quickly. Then pagers came in, <laughs> cellular phones, so on. When you look at it nowadays, 
very rarely when we make a phone call, is there anybody on the other end of the line? It always goes to voicemail because as the younger generations have become more and more, um, they use emails as what we use as telephones. Yeah. So um, as far as having a list of things to do and making calls and getting that out of the way and moving on to the next, it doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen. And, I, and I'll tell you what, we've got a number of employees that uh, the, I, I get on them when they don't answer an email or check their email as regularly as I feel they should. And that would be, you know, I'm talking every hour. Is that during work hours, though, Brad, or after work? That's, that's during work hours. Yeah. The problem that's happening, though, is because nobody's answering their phone, it's going to voicemail, or they're dealing with, uh, with uh, emails, it starts, um, your day becomes longer. Now, all of a sudden, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, you finally got time to go, you know, take a look at your emails and start dealing with some of these things. So we've all had this desire to try and shorten the work day, but in reality, we've lengthened the work day and mm-hmm. we put more and more work on ourselves. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a real tough situation for businesses nowadays, and especially some of the old school guys, such as myself, that to keep on top of our customers, uh, we honestly, in between uh, bites at supper time, I'm checking my emails. Yeah. Do I want to do it? Absolutely not. But it's a necessity. Yeah, and that's a challenge, right? Because and that that's that balance of the the work family thing that is is so vital, right? You you, you don't want to be you don't want to be screwing around with either of them. No, and we've looked at it as these new devices that come out as convenience, but in reality, it's making our lives more complicated. And you know what? It is an addiction. How many people take their uh, their cell phones and check their emails on holidays? Yeah, everybody does. Yep. And I didn't grow up with and I didn't grow up with computers you know, home computers. I'm not that old, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, uh, it, they didn't exist. Now it is ingrained in our, in our lifestyles and, and work and personal. Uh, these things are, they're an appendage. It's, it's another arm. Brad, thanks for your phone call and for your input. Really, really appreciate it. And thanks for giving us a call this afternoon. Uh, 24-7, this is from Vermilion. 24-7 availability isn't crazy if you work oil construction or anything that puts lives at risk. Not everyone works to works 9 to 5, no responsibility job. And I get that. And that's what we're saying, though, yeah, is if absolutely. you have a job that requires that, get that. But it's... You know, if if my boss told me that I needed to be available and in, in dealing with emails till midnight every night, I think that would be that's a different story. Someone texted in and said, uh, "How about this one? I haven't received an after-hours call or email since I started billing for each ding on my phone. Every email after hours is billed." As one hour. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly that'll reduce when people have to pay for it. <laughs> uh, Richard's on the phone. Hi, Richard. Yeah, that uh, just the one you just mentioned took the words out of my mouth. You know, if I have to respond to emails and business after hours, I want to get paid for it. Yeah. Now, it might be a different story if you're on salary, but even that has to be within reason. You know, we need to sleep. We need to have lives. And I think Alberta labor law is if you show up after hours, it's in minimum three hours they have to pay you. Yeah, overtime. If you come in, yeah. say, you're driving truck or something, you have to come in after hours. Even if it's a half-hour uh, job, they have to pay minimum three. So 
Good point, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. And I think that's one of the tricky things, though. It's a, it's a, it's that balancing. It's a balancing act. And get this, though. In business, if I'm not responding to my emails, my competition is. That's exactly it. I mean, but this is what we've become conditioned to do, mm-hmm. right? And this is why it's such a challenge for us to disconnect, is that it's become part of daily life. It's become an expectation. And we apply many of those same standards to our personal lives, right? Everybody talks about the balance, work-life balance. That doesn't exist. You know, we've skewed that scale so dramatically that we don't really know the clear delineation anymore. And it just becomes the daily part of life. And mm-hmm. it is that, depending on the industry, depending on what it might be. I mean, even those that might be in their office nine to five, typically now when they leave at five are working later because they have their phone with them. Should we as human beings, though, as customers, though, I mean, the, the note about the business, if you're not responding, then, you know, your competitor is. But as customers, then, should we not be respecting work hours and family hours as well? Should we be? Sure. Do we? No. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, it's uh, coming up to 4 o'clock. Bob Murray, thank you for joining me for the last couple of hours. Thanks for having me. Uh, The sweater looks great. Thanks. The sweater looks great. I go back and get another one. It'll get worn again. It's probably not on sale anymore. (laughs) It might be marked down even further. Probably based on the look of it, it might be. No, no. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming in. Thank you.